Hey, what's up, Warriors? This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and Warrior Life Academy, and welcome to podcast episode number 410. Now, this is a very personal, very important podcast episode that I'm doing that was actually from a live stream that I just did following the July 4th parade active shooter situation in Highland Park, Illinois. I say personal, and you'll understand why it was, um, but I also want to give you 10 things that you can do to protect yourself and your family from an active shooter situation. Now, please, no matter how many times you have heard tips related to being in, uh, to active shooters, I urge you to listen to this one. There might be some things that I say in here that are going to be different than you've heard from other people that are out there, and I'd like to get your feedback on it as well. I also give you my reasoning for different tips that I give, but also, more importantly, I don't want you to dismiss this as something that happens in only like urban centers and other areas. I'm going to explain to you exactly why that is at the beginning of this recording that came from our live stream. By the way, if you want to check out our live streams, you can go ahead and uh, go on over to our YouTube channel over youtube.com slash warrior. You can go check out our Facebook page and go check out Instagram. Uh, We've got a lot of different places now that we're live streaming that you can watch the podcast as well as listen to it. So let's go ahead and jump into our active shooter response scenarios and let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. It's Jeff Anderson from warriorlife.com, and uh, welcome to this week's podcast episode. So, listen, this is, is going to be a very personal podcast episode for me. By now, I'm sure you've heard of the, the active shooter in Highland Park, Illinois, uh, six dead, 38 wounded, and... The reason why this is personal is because this took place about three miles or so away from where my house was when I lived in Illinois. This was a town that I probably would have yesterday been at this parade when this idiot got on top of a building and just started shooting into into the crowd. You know, we we hear about these active shooter situations. We hear about the school shootings. Uh, I used to live, I lived for about 12 years in Illinois, um, right on the edge of Highland Park in a little town called Deerfield. It's right, it's the neighboring town. And when I lived in Texas, uh, which I lived there for about uh, nine or 10 years, a little bit more than that, I've lived there twice. But the uh, Uvalde school shooting took place almost just a stone's throw away from where I lived in Texas also. That have, it's made both of these events very, very personal for me. And I think a lot of times when we hear about these, it ends up becoming more politicized and people are talking about gun control and, and people are mad on, on the left about about keeping guns out of the hands of pretty much everybody sometimes, right? Depending upon how far left you want to go. Um, And on the right, it ends up becoming, you know, stop talking about gun control and let's go ahead, you know, just, just enforce the laws that are there, et cetera, et cetera. 
the, the reality is, and this is not a podcast about gun control. This is not, this is not a broadcast about that whatsoever. What this is, is a personal, personal call to arms, essentially, for everybody that considers themselves a warrior to understand that uh, I hope you never have to have an event like this hit this close to home for you, whether that's affecting somebody that you know and love or whether it's happening in an area that you are. But I want to give you a little bit of insight here. Highland Park, Illinois is not, it's a suburb of Chicago. It is not Chicago. It is not in any way, shape, or form Chicago. And one of the things I hear about on, on the right is about how screwed up these, these Democrat-led states are, and they can't get their shit together. And um, well, that's Chicago, like everybody's shooting everybody. Like, like just the media is there to get you all riled up. This is personal to me, and I want to make it personal for you. Highland Park, Illinois is a little town. It's a very affluent town. There are a lot of uh, doctors and lawyers and dentists. Like there, It's a very affluent area. There's also pockets of other people within this area, other neighborhoods within this area that aren't so affluent. But it's a very small town. It's got one main road, like a main street that goes down in between buildings where we hold the, the 4th of July parade. And it's a big event every year because it's such a small town. Because when you go out on that street to watch that parade, you are seeing your neighbors out there. You're hanging out with your neighbors. And when the parade comes down the middle of the street, you're seeing your local Kiwanis Club or the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the high school band. They're your kids that are in the street walking in the parade. A lot of times I've walked in those parades with, with doing scouts with, with my son. To, if you could just take a walk down this street and realize in looking left and looking right that this is your street, then you would realize that this really can happen absolutely anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. And so we know that these idiots are out there, right? We know that there are madmen with guns that are out there. I'm not going to get into how do we keep guns out of the hands of madmen and mad women. Not going to do that. Not going to go there. We know that they're out there. We know that they're armed. We know that they're just one little brain and brain trick away from from climbing on top of a building or just opening up inside of a school like we know these are going to continue to happen outside of the politics of it it's about what are you going to do as a protector of yourself and of your family because i can tell you that when i got the news about this parade getting it i don't i don't live in that area anymore i live in florida now and when I got news of that, though, I could see myself sitting on the side of that road. And I think about what would I have done if I were there? Now, 
I have training in this area. This is something that I have trained for. I have thought about it. I have of I have game planned it in my head. I've prepared my I've prepared my family for it because I know that these things do happen. I know I know where I know that the the threat is out there, and I know that we are all vulnerable. Don't let this be something that you just think happened in some other location and won't affect you and your family. Because I think the one thing you should be taking away from all of these things is that there are no more rules anymore and like this. This is not just happening in urban centers. This is happening in little towns, which is exactly what happened on July 4th in the parade. So what I want to do is I want to help you prepare. Um, one of the things, uh, one of my roles in the past was uh, there have been a couple of roles that have, that have prepared me for dealing with an active shooter situation. One of them was an executive protection work that I've, that I've done and having to guard clients who the principals were sometimes targeted. They had threats against them. Sometimes there weren't any threats. So you kind of wonder why you're, you're guarding them. Maybe it's just ego stuff. Sometimes it was foreign diplomats that I really didn't have much uh, information about. But there was, nonetheless, the, the job is still the same. And so there were some elements of that that did help me to prepare for an active shooter situation. The other, the other thing that's worked toward my benefit in preparing for this sort of thing in my past has been working as a, a senior vice president and leader developer also for a security company that primary primary clients were all um, shopping centers. They were shopping malls. And so after 9-11 happened, the yeah, people didn't go into high-rise buildings anymore, but that's not really where the, the threats really were. Like it's easy to just stay out of skyscrapers, but um, we recognized that shopping centers were a primary target for mostly foreign, like, like uh, foreign, foreign terrorists, but foreign terrorists aren't really like we're, we all know that domestic terrorism is our actual is when it comes to terrorism and active shooters, domestic terrorism is where the real threat is. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't um, the, the, oper the, um, the threat of foreign, of foreign terrorism, but we dealt with domestic terrorism just as, as closely and, and even more focused in on it. And what do we do if there is either a bomb or a shooter inside of a shopping center? And how do we how do we deal with that with the public, not only from the security standpoint, but also in the individual? Because mostly the, the officers that are involved with mall security, for example, aren't necessarily well prepared or trained for an active shooter situation. They're typically not armed in most of the centers that are out there. Um, but the training that I received in all those areas and the, and the uh, in working with the FBI and other and local law enforcement and national retailers and developing these response plans, um, there, there are things that you can do. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you 10 things that you need to know as a, if you are a law enforcement or a civilian, uh, civilian or military, doesn't matter what you are. These, these will apply to anybody that's out there. And for those of you that do see yourselves as protectors, as warriors, I want you to really think about these because sometimes they fly. I mean, you know how, how we roll. We 
You know, sometimes the advice that we give kind of flies in the face of what other people will tell you out there. And so even though it might be contrary to other other training that you might find or other people speaking on the topic, um, I'm going to give you my reasons why I'm giving you this advice and you can make your own determinations from there. I prefer, I prefer to, to look at common sense and and really consider all the aspects of 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 my response. And um, it has, because for me, it has to protect me and my family. And so likewise, I'm going to give you the same advice that I take for my myself and my own family. Okay. So, so first of all, I want to say, uh, number one is you have to be your own bodyguard. And as anybody that's ever done executive protection, or um, if you've ever been in that role before, you know that it's, it's mentally draining more than way more than it is physically draining. It is mentally exhausting to always be on high alert because when you are on shift, when it is your shift, you, and you're with your principal, like you can't assume, well, just because we're shopping or just because we're home or just because we're, we're at the workplace and it's, you can have all the protective measures that you want, but you can't let your guard down because that's when something is going to happen. So you have to have that mentality of, it is going to happen. You enter your shift, you meet with your principal, and you from that point on, it is today is the day. This is the day that somebody is either going to kidnap him or her, they're going to shoot them, or they're going to blow us up, but something's going to happen. So everything you do throughout the day, from whether it's at the workplace or whether it's at, at home or whether you are driving someplace, whatever it is, you are always assuming the attack is going to happen. And so from there, you already start gaming out, where would you go? If you stop at a red light, you're automatically looking for your exits. You're looking at the cars around you. You're looking at the people around you. You're looking how close you are to the, to the vehicle in front of you and how, how close somebody is behind you. You're looking at all of these things because your brain is in the mode of something's going to happen. Now, you can't be on alert like this all the time. And you would think that a July 4th parade is something that you would let your guard down on and just enjoy the parade. But those days are gone because it is a public event with a lot of people around, which is prime picking for an active shooter. That's what they're looking for. So you are in the hot zone anytime you're going out in public now. No matter how small your town is, no matter whether you know everybody at the local county fair, this can happen absolutely anywhere. So, so you have to be on alert. Now, I'm not saying you need to dress up like a bush and go out there and, and, and go around and keep yourself concealed and look for the bad guys and wait for the ninjas to come flying off the, the Ferris wheel. But you have to keep a level of awareness at all times when you're in these public events. So that's the first thing I would say is that you have to look at things as if you're a bodyguard. So that means you have to be paranoid a little bit when you're out in these locations and assume that there is somebody there, a nefarious character that is going to cause problems, that is going to injure people, and you don't want it to be you. All right. So that's the first thing is you really have to change your perception. Um, the second thing is that I know a lot of people like to think of themselves as somebody who runs toward danger, right? Like you're going to be the hero. You're going to jump in there. You hear shots, you run toward the, you run toward the shot. You hear an explosion. There you are. You're off and running. You take care of yourself 
first. You got to take care of your own, you and your family. The first, you are. It's just like in the uh, in when in, in you're getting the briefing when you're when you're taking a flight out somewhere, right? You got to like put on your uh, put on your mask and then your uh, and then your family's mask. You you have to take care of yourself. You have to you have to know where like where your your areas of escape are, where your concealed uh, your concealment and cover is. All of those things are going to translate over to your family that you have there with you, and because it's it's all it's gonna it's gonna basically branch out from you on out. But you have got to take care of your own, so you don't rush off into danger. You don't rush off into, honey, wait, you know, go go to the car. I'll be back, and I'm going to go ahead and take care. I'm going to go run in there and be the and be the superhero. You get your family to safety because you don't know what is in between where you are there. And the exit that you're going to have, even going back to your vehicle, you don't know where it could be an ambush, it could be a setup, it could be a secondary uh, device that's there. You don't know what the threat is, so you don't leave your family to go out there. What what if your family wants to come back and see where you are, and they think everything's all, you know, they don't hear any more shots or anything, and they come back into the danger zone, or they're trampled by a stampeding crowd. You need to make sure that as the sheepdog, you are protecting them and you're going to get out there. So you take care of yourself first. Now, after that point, what you do from there, by, by that time, by the time you've got everybody out of, out of there, that's where I'm assuming like uh, we're going to have, there's going to be backup. There'll be a SWAT team. There'll be somebody there responding that you probably won't even have to do anything, which is perfectly fine. You don't have to be the hero. So um, that's what I would say is, you know, you've got to take care of your own first. Um, the, the third thing I would say is when for actions on contact, if you hear shots fired, you, you want to have, you want to have your locations picked out as best you can where you are. But if, especially if you're traveling, whether you're driving or whether you're walking somewhere, you might not have in the immediate escape route already identified. So wherever you are, if you hear shots fired, you look for the first place that you can get to that is going to provide you with concealment in between the shots fired and your location. Now, why do I say concealment? First of all, the difference between concealment and cover. Concealment is just there to camouflage you. It can be a bush. It can be a cardboard box. Whatever it is, it's meant to shield you visually from wherever the threat is. Now, cover, on the other hand, can give you concealment, but it's going to give you cover from actual rounds. So that could be a cement pillar. It could be the engine block of your vehicle. It can be a building. It can be a wall. But you've got something there that if somebody were to shoot at you, it's going to stop that bullet. Cover rocks. Cover is going to save your life. But look for concealment first. But you're, I say that because you're not going to discern cover versus concealment. It is easier to find something that's going to conceal you than having to do the extra thinking step of something that's also going to stop a bullet. Now, you might notice someplace or you might notice two or three things that are going to give you concealment. And one of those is going to register as also as cover. And so 
you get there. But I say to look for concealment first because your brain doesn't have to think as fast or do as much discerning. You're just looking for something that's going to get you out of the eyes of whoever has a, a scope or a handgun or whatever that's trying to send rounds into people. So look for concealment because as people are running away, the the eyes pick up movement. So if somebody is out there shooting, they're not necessarily looking for somebody that is, they're looking for a good target, but the eye is going to pick up just like a predator, like a wolf sees a rabbit. That rabbit might be just sitting there, right? It might see the wolf and all of a sudden it freaks out and it takes off. The wolf's eyes as a predator are, are meant to pick up movement because that movement, especially when it's running away from them, means that's prey, that's food. If it's running at them, that could be a threat. So our brains pick up the exact same thing. So if an active shooter is out there and they see people running away or they see where there wasn't movement, all of a sudden now there is movement, their eye can pick that up, that could signal that's where they're going to start shooting. So at least with concealment, there's no movement there. And their eye is going to naturally be picked up wherever there is other movement because they're also looking for, is there anybody else with a gun, police officers and things like that? So don't be the movement. Even if you just get to concealment, that is going to be way better than sometimes just even trying to run away from it. Because if they do have line of fire on you, they might just be shooting at the crowd or the people that are running away. So concealment, I say first, because your brain can actually just register it quickly. Now, Number four is to look for cover. So even when you are concealment, start looking around, start scanning. Is there an escape route that you can get to? Or is there cover that is, that is nearby to you that you might be able to get behind that's going to provide you both the concealment and the cover? It's going to, if the rounds start coming down your way, you're going to have something that's going to block them there. So that could be ducking into a, an open store. If somebody has a home there, um, you don't want to just go up there and start banging on the door because that's going to block your your progress from being able to to escape there. But it could be a house. You could duck down an alley. You might be able to get behind a dumpster even, uh, get behind a vehicle, uh, get behind the engine block of a vehicle to provide you with that sort of cover. So, So the next step would be to look for cover. So that's number four. Number five is going to be to try and get to those exits. If you can get out of the area, just get out of the area. Now, all of this might happen all at once. You might be able to look up and you're looking for you're looking for concealment and you notice there's an alley there and you duck down the alley, go for it, right? That's your escape route. Now, while you are out and about, you definitely want to see if you can identify your escape route. So if, you know, most people know like if you're in a restaurant, where is the kitchen? Where is perhaps another exit there? Where is the front exit? Is there a back exit? What how what what escape routes do you actually have? And you've got those kind of mentally logged in there. Well, the same thing when you are out in a public venue, you want to look and see where are your escape routes there also. Um, but assuming that even if you're behind concealment or you're behind cover, you want next look for your escape route. Where are you? How are you going to get out of there? Um, consider alternative locations. Most people were just going to flock to the area that they came in on and think of that as their, their egress route as well, or they're going to try and make it back to their vehicle, but that might not be the best escape route for you. So you need to make sure that you're taking into account other potentially like alternative options for escape. So I can tell you like being in, when doing the, uh, um, shopping center 
security and dealing with um, Department of Homeland Security on uh, counterterrorism, uh, specifically for the shopping centers that one thing we tell people is that there are maintenance alleys there, there are maintenance hallways that people can go and get into. Um, you'll see a lot of these that'll have like alarm, like it'll, you know, say if you open this up, it'll cause an alarm. So there might be an escape route out to the outside, but it's meant to more be for fire, not just for you to go out and find your car because you're, it's closer to your car. Um, there are those, but then there's also the stores themselves that all have a back room and those rooms go out typically into the back parking lot somewhere. Um, and they're typically locked from the outside, you know, to the outside where people can't come in the outside unless they have a key, but you can go through any one of those stores while people are trying to run to the exits of the, of the shopping center, just duck inside of a store, get to the back room. And that's, there might be places either to barricade back there, but you can typically get right outside into the, into the outdoors and escape all of that madness very, very quickly by going where the employees would normally go. So consider those alternative exits as well. Um, this number, uh, tip number six that I would share with you is to what happens when, like in this situation, there were shots that were fired and there was just a stampede of people. And that's what's going to happen, right? Like if, as soon as somebody, somebody's typically going to call out um, shots fired, shots fired, or there's a shooter or somebody's shooting or run and everybody is going to panic. And what end, ends up happening, people without a plan are going to start running in the direction of other people. So it becomes this mass of people. You're looking at a public event, like either a fair, it could be, um, it could be a busy street. It could be something like this where it's a parade. And all of a sudden you have even maybe even vehicles like parade floats that are trying to get out of the area and they're panicked and they're just hitting the, hitting the gas and running people over. Like you don't know what's going to happen. So that crowd, you can get stampeded in that crowd and you could die just by the people that are trampling over top of you. It's happened so many times at sporting events, um, at concerts that people get panicked and all of a sudden somebody falls down and people don't stop. They just start um, just trampling over top of them uh, happened even at the the the, the January sixth um, riot that happened at the Capitol. There was a a girl that that lost her life because she was she was crushed by a crowd. So it can happen even in smaller crowds. So you've got to be careful of not getting caught up in those stampedes. Now, if you are surrounded by a bunch of people that are trying to run out of the area, what you want to do is you don't want to try and go against the crowd that's running that way. Um, but you want to try and go with the crowd as much as possible and then go at a 45 degree at the closest exit outside of on the outside skirt of, of where that crowd is. So that way you're going to be able to still follow that same direction. So you're not going to get slammed with somebody hitting you head on. You can maneuver your way through the crowd a little bit easier uh, because you can maybe you know, spot those openings a little bit better. And that's where you want to try and find like an escape route or concealment or cover, try and get to the outside there, get out of the line of people and be able to, uh, to get to safety as quickly as possible. All right. Uh, number seven is if you cannot find a good conceal, or if you can't find an escape route out of there, if you have good enough cover, stay there. Like you don't want to create movement. You want to stay there, but if you are able to get into, say, like a store where you can get out the back, that's a, that's an escape route. If you can't get out the back or if you are in a shopping center and there's a room there 
and it's a maintenance closet, it is still, I mean, unless, unless somebody saw you go in there and all of a sudden they're trying to shoot through the door, right? Um, you want to barricade yourself away from the shooter. So you want to find something that you can put up against the door. It's one of the reasons why I carry a wedge inside of my sling pack that I carry with me for everyday carry. Um, it is a, it's basically a doorstop wedge that I can use anywhere. So I don't have to worry about if there's no lock on the door, if I'm in a closet, what am I going to use a mop to try and hold the door closed? Like by just by a simple wedge, it's going to allow you to have an instant door lock that you'll be able to use somewhere. It's a very, you know, it doesn't weigh anything, just kind of slips in my bag, got it there, good to go. But you want to barricade yourself if you can to be able to avoid the, uh, the shooter coming in after you. Okay. Um, number eight is to, you want to call 911. So one of the other things that I have with my, with my EDC gear is either a, like a Bluetooth headset that you can put on that wraps around your ear. Um, that's what I prefer, like something that's designed for your phone, because that's going to allow you to keep your, your hands free. And um, I also carry with me my, I've got my AirPod, uh, my Apple AirPod uh things that with the, the, the AirPod Pros, so they've got like a rubber stopper, they fit, they go into my ear better, but they don't wrap around. That's the one thing I, I don't like, because if you are in a situation where you have to run, sprint, you get jostled around, you get knocked down. I want something that's going to really stay on my ear. So I also do have my Bluetooth headset that I'll wrap around my ear and put that on because I want to keep my hands free, be either to be able to help my family, bypass obstacles, um, defend myself if I need to, get to my weapon if I need to. And um, so what you want to do is you want to put that on. And then what you want to do is call 911. Um, most likely other people are already going to be contacting dispatch, but if you can get through to dispatch, what I, the reason why I say this is because some people will want to talk to local law enforcement. You'll want to find law enforcement so you can show them like where the shooter is. If you know where, if you know where that person is and you want to give direction there, but that can put you out in the open. It can make you a target. Um, there's going to be a lot of chaos that's happening there. And so they might not even hear you. You, They might try to get closer to you. Or you might try to get closer to them to have that contact with them. So you can show, you can tell them what's going on. But your better bet is to go ahead and contact 911. Say that you are on the scene there, that you know where the shooter is. You're not just calling up just to let them know about it, that you know where the shooter is and provide any information that you can uh, over to the 911 dispatcher. Now I'm not saying just call to get on there and just in case something happens because you want to keep that you want to keep that free because there might be people that are shot somebody's going to call dispatch and they're going to you know let them know that there are injuries and so you need those first responders to get that information. But if you know where the shooter is or if you have eyes on them or if you have any knowledge that you think would be beneficial to responding officers then don't try and find them. Call 911, tell the dispatcher the information and stay on the line with them because you're going to be able to give them the information about where you are. So if an officer needs to link up with you, if you have somebody that is wounded, um, they can get to where you are. You just want to stay on the phone with them. And then you can guide in law enforcement. You can give them directions. You can give them addresses you see. You can give them landmarks to be able to look at. So that's the that's the best way to communicate with first responders is through the dispatcher because they're going to be able to talk to all the officers at the same time versus just you talking with one officer that you're able to scream at maybe 
And you, you don't want to put them in line of fire. You don't, you don't want to get in the line of fire either. Okay. Uh, number nine is, or tip number nine here is don't brandish your weapon unless it's a situation where you are actually going to need to use your weapon. Now, the reasons for that may seem obvious to some people, but to others may not, because when you're in that, in that mindset, you're on kind of like a hunt and destroy type of a of thing, or you're, or you're just protecting your family. If you have it out, somebody else might take you as a shooter, if not the shooter. So it could be somebody else that is a uh, has a concealed firearm. Uh, they might just try and tackle you. It might just be a bunch of people that just they see you with a gun. You haven't, you don't notice them, and they just, they think that you might be the shooter, and they so they they decide that they're going to take you out. You don't know what it is, but you don't want to. You want to keep your your weapon concealed as long as you possibly can. Now, if you are in the area where those shots are close to you, you can certainly have it, but you can have it maybe inside of a of a pocket that you've got like in a coat or something, or you can have it close to your body. You just want to have it hidden, hide it with your hands, hide it with um, something that you have there, but still make it very, very accessible. Um, it could be a responding police officer, officer that sees you with the gun and then shoots you. You don't know how well-trained other people are. And so you having that, that firearm exposed makes you and your family potentially a bigger target. So I'm not saying don't defend yourself. Absolutely. I carry a, a concealed firearm with me. Yes. At, at, at fairs and, and public and public places. And so um, it can be there for your own personal protection, but you don't want it to be a magnet for somebody else, another sheepdog with a gun to start shooting at you. All right. The, uh, the last tip that I has that I have is if you do have a weapon and if you are challenged by police, you want to make it known that you are not the shooter, and that's what you tell them. Don't shoot. I'm not the shooter. You scream it as loud as you can because when the adrenaline is going, there's going to be auditory auditory exclusion. Um, there could be the panic and pay, uh, and chaos that's happening around. There could be people screaming. All of that shock and awe that's happening right there, they might not hear you. So you don't want to have your firearm in your hand when that when that's happening. So you yell at them, "Don't shoot! I'm not the shooter." If they say typically what they're what they're going to say, which is "Drop the gun," you drop the gun. I don't mean set it down gently on the ground because you don't want to mess up your your Punisher decal on the on on your Glock 19. You drop the weapon right from wherever it is. Your hands are up. Yeah, it's going to be six, eight, 10 feet in the air. You just drop the weapon exactly as they told, as they told you to do. There was a case that I, I talked about before. Uh, it was a church shooting. There was a good guy with a gun that had the gun that was taking out the, the bad guy. Police showed up, told him to drop the gun. He went to go lay the gun down and they shot him because he wasn't following instructions. The police officers that respond, you don't know how well-trained they are, how itchy that, that trigger finger is. You just don't know. So you drop the gun. All right. So those are 10 tips that I have. Now, I want to give you some tips on also how you can train this. So in the Warrior, uh, in Warrior Life Academy, we everything, all of our training is built around this model, what we call REMF. So making your training realistic, um, efficient. So we do it in small chunks, uh, just miniature 
training is going to be much better for you than, than longer, deeper dive training. So you want to do it in small uh, chunks. So there's REMF is REMF. Doesn't stand for real, rear echelon motherfucker. It stands for um, realistic or reality-based, efficient, multi-sensory, and fun. And those are the like accelerated development, accelerated learning elements of the brain. There's, there's others also, but those are the main ones that we use when it comes to how do you train for these sort of things? So in, in using that, there are some things that you can do. So one thing that um, I've, I've done in the past and I, and I tell other people to do also is to set several alarms on either your phone or what I do is I have an Apple watch. And so I use my Apple watch, I put it in silent mode and I have several alarms that are set and they can go off periodically throughout the day. And when it does, when you feel that vibration on your wrist or the vibration on your phone, that is your like the instant attack. And so what you do is when you feel that, you look immediately, where would you go if shots were fired right now? So we have multisensory because you're getting this surprise, um, like a vibration either from your phone or from like a, something like a watch. So it's multisensory. It's adding in that element of it. You are using your vision. You are using in um, surroundings that if you are out in public, it is going to be very different every step that you take. So provides a dynamic learning environment that makes it that that challenges the brain more so you have the elements of challenge there as well it's reality based because if you're in public and if something were to happen there the the props that you have to work with is the surroundings that you have where you are so you stop and you look for where would i go right now oh there's concealment that's where i would go i'm not saying you have to run there i'm just saying you have to identify where would you take you and your family right here? And then maybe just walk over to that concealed area and then look around on your way there. Did you notice a better, did you notice an escape route? Did you notice a better cover? Where would you have gone as you just walk your way toward where that concealment is just to stand there? All right. So that's one thing that you can do. The other thing that you can do is anytime that you are doing like your dry fire training or even going to the range is to listen to an audio soundtrack that is going to provide you a multisensory experience that's going to make it more reality-based. It's going to give you more of a realistic feel because you have this sound that's coming in. It's creating this, this visualization in your brain of a traumatic event, of an active shooter event. And we do have a um, an audio recording that you can use that is an active shooter scenario. So we've got sirens, we've got screaming, we've got chaos that's going on. And you can play that recording in headphones um, while you're dry fire training, even at the range, you can use it as well. Um, it is free. You can have that audio recording. All you have to do is inside of our loot locker over at, um, in warriorlife.com in our, in, our, um, in, our, in our free members area. It's loot locker membership. And all you have to do is you can go inside. Of, there's a whole bunch of free resources in there. And when you go into the loot locker, there is an MP3 location in there. And if you go to the MP3 location, you will see that there are a few different soundtracks that you can use to make your training more realistic. And one of those there is that is that um, social chaos, is that civil unrest that's happening there that's going to allow you to use that to give yourself a more realistic environment. So all you have to do is go to, if you want to sign up there, you can go to warriorlife.com slash loot. And that will allow you access into the loot locker so that you can go ahead and grab that audio recording, just download it 
and then just put it on your phone or on an MP3 player and you can use that there. Or you can even play it over speakers if you're doing it at home and you're, you're doing dry fire. You can, uh, you can do the same thing. Just play it on speakers, play it off of your computer or anything like that. So again, warriorlife.com slash loot is going to allow you access to be able to go get that recording. All right. Okay. So those are the top 10 tips that I've got for you to be able to protect yourself and your family in the event of an active shooter situation. Um, I'd also like to hear from you. So wherever you are either listening to this podcast or you're watching it, if you're, if you're watching the live stream, on YouTube or one of our other social media channels like Facebook or, um, or Instagram or wherever, you can go ahead and please leave something in the comments there if you have other tips that are going to help people be able to protect themselves and their family from active shooters. All right. All right. So I look forward to seeing your comments there. And until our next broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.